You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. We're going to open up God's Word this morning. This is our last message in this series as we are discovering more about God's Word, its role in our lives. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 119. We're going to wrap up the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Congratulations. Let's just pray as we open up God's word. God, you are so good, and your presence in this place this morning is so rich. Um, I, I feel like we could, we could just pray a prayer of dismissal and still feel really blessed already for what you've done, which makes me expectant that you got something more for us. And so with expectant hearts, we just we posture our hearts with humility before you and your revel- the revelation of your word, just um, asking that you'd speak something to our hearts, that we'd see you more clearly, that we'd see our lives in the light of eternity more accurately. I pray it in your mighty name, amen. So uh, I grew up playing uh, um, hide and seek, like many of you. My kids have been getting into hide and seek. We, we, we uh, have a, one of the neighbor kids in our neighborhood come over to our house after school every single day, and our kids have been getting into hide-and-seek. You guys remember hide-and-seek? Yes. Well, the natural progression of hide-and-seek for most all kids, and it was for myself as well, my kids have now stumbled upon hide-and-seek in the dark. You guys played that as a kid? It's, it kind of sounds almost like oxymoronic because you're seeking things while in pitch black. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why we all naturally progress towards hide and seek in the dark. My kids have have, have encountered that. I remember. So my my memory has been jogged as to my childhood, and I remember late elementary, early middle school. I remember a session of hide and seek in the dark, and we were actually playing in our church sanctuary. That's right. I have no idea why we were we were unchaperoned in our church sanctuary in the pitch black, but we were. And we were playing hide and seek in the dark in our sanctuary, and the game was fresh on. The only light in the entire sanctuary was maybe the, ex- the glow from the exit signs. The back of our sanctuary that me and my wife grew up in uh, actually had pillars similar to the one out in the lobby, except for instead of it being made of wood, it's made of concrete. This game is, is quickly started, and uh, it didn't take long before one of my friends, a young guy by the name of Jason, I'm still friends with to this day, he was shouting from the back of the sanctuary, ah, in pain. Someone grabbed the lights, we rushed to Jason, and there he is laying on the sanctuary floor, blood on the sanctuary floor. I know, it's like, it feels like wrong, you know. <laughs> there he was bleeding, he had to go to the ER and get stitches on his forehead because he had a head in collision, head-on collision with a pillar. I know, I mean, it, it's obviously the logical thing that would come from a hide-and-seek uh, in the dark game, but that's, that's what happened. I feel like many times in our lives, as we try to traverse, navigate this world without the light of God's revelation, without him guiding us in any way, it's like us wandering around, stumbling around in the dark. And it's only a matter of time before we get pretty beat up. And every single person in this place would, has had moments in their lives where they've, they've, they've ran headfirst into something. They felt blindsided, they felt disappointed, they felt discouraged, they felt like a failure, they felt messed up. That is the realities of trying to figure out this world on our, on our own. But can I tell you, we have really good news this morning. God has not left us to navigate this world on our own. One of the roles, one of the primary roles of God's word 
It's, it's, it's meant to illuminate or light up a path in which we are to walk. So over the, over the last few weeks, I've mentioned Psalm 119, verse 105, which is his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's one of the primary roles of, of his word, and we're going to specifically talk about that idea this morning, that truth this morning, starting in verse 105. But just to recap where we've been over the last three weeks, this being the fourth, we've talked about three other roles that the Word of God plays in our life. The very first week we talked about how if we can just for a moment consider the fact that we are created ones. You know, you didn't put yourself here. You are a created one. And if Creator God were to give us a revelation of, of Himself, it would make sense that we would submit ourselves to His authority. That's just logical sense. So one of the roles of the Word of God in our lives is, is meant to be an authority in our lives. Creator God revealing a way in which to walk for his created ones. The second week we talked about how God is revealing his love to you. We have a desperate need in this insecure and unstable world. We have a desperate need for the, for the relentless love of God. And this word is a, it's a love letter, not just to all of humanity, but it's a love letter to you. And you can actually begin to open it up every single day and understand God's faithful love to you, his unfailing love to you. Last week we talked about then a third role of his word in your life, which is daily sustenance. A theme throughout scripture is it's like daily bread. It's, it sustains us, it strengthens us, it satisfies our souls. That's one of the primary roles of the word of God. So this is the final week. We're going to talk about his, his word as light in our life. And there are 72 verses left in one, Psalm 119. And looking at the clock, I'm not going to have time to read all 72 verses. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to encourage you to read the last 72 verses of Psalm 119. I'm going I'm to highlight a few verses that, we're gonna, that I'm going to expound on this morning. Verse 105 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a, li- and a light to my path. Verse 123 says that my eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Verse 125 says that I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Verse 130 says the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Verse 132 says turn to me, be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Verse 135 says make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Verse 141 says that I am small and despised. Yet I do not forget your precepts. Psalm 148 says, My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. And skipping all the way towards the end, verse 173 says, Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. In verse 176, I have gone astray like a sheep, like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. 176 verses, this psalmist, he, he painstakingly took the, the, the effort to, to write out these, these prayers, these songs, these psalms, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's no way you could interpret what this psalmist has written as someone who just sees this word as just an ancient scripture that we kind of set on a, a table over here in regard for for kind of sacred gatherings. Oh, the psalmist reads this word as though it is a personal revelation of God himself. 
daily applied, changing the way he thinks, changing the way he understands the world around him. There's no other way to interpret Psalm 119 than through that lens. That's the way the psalmist sought to experience God's word for himself. So this morning, this is what I want to do. I have, a, I have a line up on the, in a moment, there'll be a line up here on the screen. I want to create a clear delineation, a clear line. Uh, I want to create a stark contrast between living with God's word applied in our lives versus when we do not do that. And I'm praying that the, 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 the huge divide between these two lifestyles will come alive to you in a way that will intrigue you to dive into God's word for yourself. That's my dream. Monday morning, whatever time your, your day starts on Monday morning, you would seek to open up his word. And even if it's one verse that you seek to apply to your life, for me, that's a win. I'm, I'm stoked for our church. If, if a few hundred people are opening up God's word and saying, okay, God, what, what, do you, what do you have for me today? How can I live more in line with your word, with, with, how, with your best for my life? So firstly, it's the difference between light versus darkness. It's already up on there, on the screen. It's as, it's as vividly, starkly different as the difference between light and darkness. There's no, there's no um, confusing ourselves with the difference between light and darkness, right? Verse 105, it says, The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Verse 130 says, The unfolding of your words gives light. As you open up God's word, he, he illuminates the revelation of who he is and how he desires for us to live, and it, it brings light to our life. So we're not stumbling around in the darkness. Verse 135 says, make your face shine upon your servant. That was the posture of the psalmist. I'm your servant, God. Allow your face just to shine upon me for a moment so I can see more clearly, so I can see more accurately. It's the difference between light and darkness. You can just think of yourself like my, like my friend Jason, stumbling around in our church sanctuary. That's what our lives are like when we're trying to, to navigate them on our own. You see, God doesn't give us complete understanding of the far reaches of the universe and how everything works. You can never know fully in every way the way your life is supposed to work out, but I can guarantee you this. I can guarantee you this. I promise you that God gives you enough revelation for today. His word is a lamp to our feet. That means you can be sure about the next step. Maybe not six more steps. You don't know what six more steps are going to bring for you. But you have enough revelation for today to take another step. His his word is meant to be a light to your path. The confusing doubts in your heart, the things you struggle with, the pressures you feel. He has revelation to sustain you, to, to bring clarity, confidence for the next step. I guarantee it. It reminds me of one of my trips to the nation of Guatemala. I've been to Guatemala six times. Miss Rosa is from Guatemala. Whoop. Yeah, there she is. I love the country. It's an amazing nation. Thank you for taking an honorary stand. I love it. She didn't know I was talking about Guatemala this morning. But my first trip to Guatemala, the, the host family that I was staying with, they wanted to take me on an adventure, which I am so thankful that they are they are so brave to do this. And so they took me to central Guatemala um, where there was this, this property called Ishabel. And Ishabel, is, there's this trail that leads two hours into the rainforest. And it's there that there's a cave. This is not a commercialized cave. There's no catwalk. There's no lights. 
This is just a desolate cave with a river running through it. So it's a pitch black cave, and you're supposed to swim through the cave to the end, and at the end there's a big surprise. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to be in Guatemala all too often, so I should probably take part in this adventure. We hike two hours through the forest. We get to this cave. I'm assuming that our guide, who is honestly, he's barefooted with a loincloth, I assumed he was going to pull out of his satchel a 21st century lantern of some sort, but no. He did not have a lantern of any sort. Instead, in his satchel, he had candles. And so here we are swimming through this river. He's keeping his satchel above the water the entire time. And he's placing candles as we make our way through this, this cave. We got maybe 25 feet into this cave before my friend's dad and brother, they're like, this is too much for me, I'm out of here. So they, they, even though we had hiked two hours through the forest to get there, they're like, it's worth it, I'm going back. I mean, this, I, I dipped my toe in the water, I'm good. Pitch black water, there's a moment, I'm just kind of psyching myself up, I can do this, whatever, we're going to just go for it. There's a moment, though, in the, in the journey where there's a low arch about two feet clearance covered with bats. And the only way to get through the arch is to swim. There's, this is not wading anymore. This is swimming. Our guide is phenomenal. He's able to swim through this arch with the satchel above the water through this arch. And I'm just, like, terrified, you know. I make it through. We get to the end. And there's a 15-foot waterfall that we can jump into this huge room, jump into this water below. And it was exhilarating, amazing, right? Like, no regrets. In the moments, obviously, I had all sorts of fears and doubts. But I so liken that experience to our experience in Christ. And my heart breaks for people when they, they kind of try to walk this life. They don't kind of, they do. They would try to walk this life in darkness. Always getting beat up. Always running into the same pillars. And, and just like it'd be so foolish for me to wander into this cave in pitch black with no light, so it is in Christ for us to try to traverse or navigate this life without the light of the revelation of God's word. It's foolishness. It's the difference between light and darkness. And if you'll just begin to humbly open up God's word and say, hey, God, I I need something for today. I don't have the answers. I need something today. He's so faithful. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to to our path. Secondly, it's the difference between sight and blindness. the difference between sight and blindness, two things that it's, you cannot get confused with whether or not you can see or whether you are blind. That's the way it is with the word of God. He gives you eyes to actually see. Look at verse 123. It says, my eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Verse 148 says, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. The psalmist is not talking about physically his eyes seeing anything. He's talking about his spiritual eyes. His spiritual eyes, he, wa- he wanted God to illuminate his eyesight, his vision, to be able to see salvate two things, salvation and the promises of God. Can I tell you, your life can be significantly different if you just begin to meditate and, and look upon with spiritual eyes God's salvation and his promises. That God is a God that redeems, he's a God that saves, He's saved you, or at least he's given you an opportunity to be saved, and he's a God of promises. He gives us hope. And so then instead of getting sucked into the depressive, you know, monotony of life, you can look up and you can see hope in Christ, a promise, a future day. There's some promises we get to experience in the here and now. There's some promises that we get to experience in a future day. When we do that, when we fix our spiritual eyes on his salvation and his promise, 
He gives us eyes to see this world more accurately. All of a sudden, this world around us begins to look so much different. Living color. Instead of looking like we're just in survival mode, like victims on this planet, we can become victorious in something more in Christ. We can become more than conquerors. I threw this up on the screen, uh, Matthew chapter 15. Because I want to make clear what spiritual blindness is. I'm making, I'm, uh, on the screen, I've, I've made it, if we don't apply the word of God to our lives, many of us think that, what I mean by that is we just don't read the word of God at all. And if you're in this place and you don't ever read the word of God, this morning is an invitation for you to begin seeking God for yourself through his word. But there's another form of spiritual blindness in our lives that even, it may, you may be reading the word of God, but it's so subtle that we can fall into the trap of spiritual blindness. And it's if we're just reading God's word as a religious duty. Or if we believe, begin to believe the lie that I've been there, I've done that, I've read it cover to cover, I know it. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school, you're like, I've heard the story. And, and there's almost this boredom that's, that's sunk in in your heart. What, what that begins to form in your life is this, this spiritual blindness where you cannot see the world accurately. Versus the spiritual attunement, uh, like uh, awareness of what God's doing. It's this humble submission to God's word where you're willing to say, okay, God, I need fresh eyes to see today. What are you doing in my life? Where are the blind spots? So I'm going to illustrate this. Well, I'll read, uh, sorry, Matthew 15 first. Then I'm going to embarrass somebody. One of the in- Kyle interns, Riley. So <laughs> Matthew chapter 15, Jesus makes this point very clearly what spiritual blindness is. And he says he called to the people, they called the people to him, and he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth is to, that defiles a person. Then the disciples came, and they said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Jesus is talking about the ones of his generation that knew the scriptures more than anybody. I mean, they, they boasted about how much they knew the word of God. They memorized huge portions of scripture. And yet, what did, how did Jesus describe them? He described them as blind guides, and they're going to lead their followers right into a pit. That's a form of spiritual blindness where the word of God is not living and active in our lives. Instead, the word of God just becomes words on a page. And when we've kind of we've lulled ourselves into this spiritual sleepiness, where we're like, I've been there, done that, read the stories, good for them. <laughs> I'm not going to get too excited about it. It's not going to penetrate my life. It's not going to apply to my life in any way. It begins to be spiritual blindness. Begin, that, that begins to set in. And Jesus, I mean, there's many things that his ministry accomplished, but one thing he was adamant about was going after that religiosity of spiritual blindness. So I've asked Riley to, to help me out. So Riley is a uh, Chi Alpha Give a Year intern. And so Pastor Kyle asked me if I would, at random moments, just embarrass the interns. That's like part of the internship. <laughs> you got to take up their cross and follow Jesus. And so Riley's going to help me just demonstrate, at the beginning of the path, he's going to help me demonstrate spiritual blindness. If we don't apply the word of God in our life, it doesn't take much for the enemy to trick us. I'm going to be honest. It doesn't. 
And so we, we think that we got, we're so confident because we, we know the word and we're a religious person and we kind of are always patting ourselves on the back for how awesome we are. Spiritual blindness begins to set in. Or if you're trying to traverse, navigate this world on your own, there's a spiritual pride that's set in. You're trying to walk this life. I got this, I got this. Boom, right into the first trap. It's not even a trap at this point because you're just blind. And the enemy knows that. So the first trap he fell into was, sorry, you're blind, so... Uh, <laughs> offenses. All of a sudden, you're so easily offended. Your, your, your world is so fragile, and you, you fall into offenses. You begin to harbor bitterness towards others because you're so judgmental of your, because of your spiritual blindness. You keep walking. You still didn't get it. Oh, here we go. Secret sin. Secret sin. Spiritual blindness makes us so susceptible to the trap of secret sin. Because you're more concerned with outward appearances than actual inward change. And when we allow the word of God to actually penetrate the deepest parts of our heart, it's like, I don't care what people think. I want my life to reflect the work of Christ in my life. And so th- these, tr- these traps aren't even really traps. They're just like the enemy understanding that we're not applying the word of God to our lives. Here my blind man is continuing to walk down this path without light. And he falls into the trap of lies Honestly, the more and more we, we go um, without discerning spiritual blindness in our lives, lies just become a, a way of life for us. They really do. It's just, we almost become like a, uh, we almost create a whole another alternate reality of who we are, a whole another false identity of who we are. We just, we cling to lies. And ultimately, we walk into cynicism, the last two traps, and he's just a mess now. And then he's healed by Jesus. Jesus redeems he can see, praise God, he looks back over his. The last two traps or sins are cynicism and unbelief. And you see this in the, the religious leaders of Jesus' time. They thought they had everything figured out. They're like, I know God's word. I know what scripture says. And so any other uh, supernatural work that God would do, it's almost like, no, I, I, that, that can't be. It doesn't fit into my box. And cynicism and unbelief are a natural result of spiritual blindness. Thank you, Riley, for being awesome. The cool, the cool part of that story is that's all of our story. We all try to navigate this world on our own. God's redemptive work in our lives is that he can set us free. He can give us eyes to see. He can, he can begin to allow us to see the world more accurately, which brings me to my last point in this, this, this stark contrast that we're creating. Lastly, it's humility versus pride. Ultimately, all, all three of these are the difference between humility and pride. And I'll just highlight a lot of these verses. In Psalm 125, or 119, verse 125, he says, I am your servant. Give me understanding. That's the posture of the psalmist. I'm your servant. You are my master. Give me understanding. I so desperately want understanding. And when we've fall, fallen prey to pride and spiritual blindness, it's like, we're already sufficient. We already got it, right? We already are really confident with, with who we are and, and what we're going after instead of this posture of humility. I'm your servant. I need understanding. Verse 130, which I read already, it says it imparts, the word of God imparts understanding to the simple. He understood that he didn't have it all figured out. This man knew scripture, but he's like, God, my mind is still simple. I'm really stubborn. I need your help. Verse 135 Make your face shine upon your servant 
as I had already read. He says in verse 141, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. And then finally in verse 173, let your hand be ready to help me. He knew that he was not beyond falling himself. And he's like, God, I want you close by at any moment so I can reach out to you. Be ready to help me. I know I'm not infallible. And in verse 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. I love just the heart of the psalmist. To be okay with the fact that he doesn't have it all figured out, that he's not perfect, that he's not an end product yet. And that is the the posture of God's word actually being alive in our lives every single day. As we can admit, even if you've been walking with God for 40 years, we can still admit, okay, God, I need you today. I need to view my kids or my grandkids with your eyes. I need to view my spouse with your eyes. So I want to summarize all this with three words that I'm praying will stay with you as you walk out the doors this morning. These three words, submit and see. It can all be summarized with those three words, submit and see. I'm not asking you to submit to me. I'm not asking you to submit to somebody around you. That's a difficult ask. I'm asking you to submit yourself to the revelation of God's word so you can more accurately see the world around you. Submitting is is the essence of humility. You're saying, I am lower than you and I'm going to submit myself to your work in my life so that I can live more effectively, so I can live more fully, so I can see differently. When we submit ourselves humbly to God's word, we can begin to see others and the world more accurately. So I'm going to quickly, just in closing, I'm going to highlight four areas of our lives that I think cause us the most trouble in terms of us disconnecting from the application of God's word. There are four areas that I think oftentimes as we get into the trenches of life, they, they cause us the most problems. They're probably the biggest areas of blessing, but they're also the, the, the places of the, of the most drama and, and issues. And as soon as we get into these areas of our lives, we disconnect them from the relevance of God's word. For some reason, we don't run to say, I wonder how these areas are relevant to my life. I mean, are relevant to God's word. I wonder if God's word has anything to say about these four areas. So the first is this. It's relationships. Relationships consume a lot of the energy and time in our lives, and relationships are an amazing blessing. But I've been around enough people, and even in my own life, I've experienced that relationships can cause a lot of drama and emotional hurt and baggage and offenses and unforgiveness, right? Like, that's where we live. But for some reason, we convince ourselves in moments of difficulty in relationships, we convince ourselves that our situation is so utterly unique that God's word is not relevant to my, my situation, to my relational issue. And so we just try to do it on our own. We're like, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to navigate this one on my own. I got it. And it's just like us stumbling through this cave in the dark in the pitch black. Or my friend stumbling around the sanctuary in, in the dark. Actually, all of us stumbling around the, in the dark in the sanctuary. That's what it's like. God's word is so relevant to the area of relationships. I just quickly thought of Philippians chapter 2, where Jesus said, consider the interests of others above yourself. Take the example of Jesus Christ, of one who submitted himself to the interests of others. He didn't have to do that. 
and neither do you in your relationships with others, but you can choose to as you encounter drama, as you encounter conflict. You can ask yourself, I wonder what their interests are in this, instead of getting all, all defensive, right? It's usually our posture in relationships and conflict. It's like, okay, this is gonna be, this is gonna be a showdown. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show them what's up. But Jesus also confronted that and we're talking through this with my kids because this is real life. And Jesus says, bless those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies. That's tough truth for the realities of our lives, right? As we face people that are honestly cruel and hurt themselves and they hurt us, it's hard for us to then apply God's word in those areas. It's almost painful. So I didn't say this path was going to be easy. To, make, to allow God's word to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, it's not easy. But I'm telling you, it's a way better way to live. The second area is money. Money consumes a huge part of our lives. It's just a reality of this world. You cannot escape the realities of this, of, of this world and live without, sorry, you cannot escape the realities of money and live life on this planet. It's just a reality that we live with. And so often, though, in our lives that they go round and round based on money, we disconnect that area of our lives from the relevance of Scripture. And we say, we're going to try this one on our own. We're just going to go for it. We're going to kind of just, we'll do some Google searches, we'll listen to whatever, what we grew up with, and, and, and listen to some other people around us. We kind of learn by getting beat up on the way. And we don't ever, or most oftentimes, we don't stop to consider, I wonder what God's Word has to say about money. It's a huge part of my life. I, I want to apply God's truth. I want a lamp to my feet. I want light to my path in the area of money. We begin to see that Jesus says we cannot serve both. We cannot serve both God and money. We can only have one master. As you begin to dive into God's word with that type of humble posture where you say, okay, I want to see more accurately. I want to see money more clearly. All of a sudden, the control issue of money comes to the surface. You're like, oh, I've been living in fear with regards to money. I've been in like this survival mode of, of in regards to my finances. Oh, there's a, there's a different way. And you can begin to see more clearly. You can begin to see how in the kingdom of God, Jesus is, is equipping us to use money to be a blessing to others as a resource in this world that he actually expects for us to steward resources really, really well. But it's not supposed to be, control us. It's not supposed to be a master in our lives. So that's, that's difficult to submit ourselves to that. But as we begin to do that, humbly, we can see the world more clearly. That's a fun way to live, even in, even in the realm of money. Thirdly, work. That's right. God's word is relevant to your work. I don't care what you do. His word is relevant to your work. A fourth of our life is consumed just in hours in a week. Almost a fourth. If you work 40 to 45 hours in a week, it's about a fourth of your week. If you take out sleeping hours, it's almost a third of the hours that are at your disposal are consumed with work. And so often, we do the nine to five, we clock in, we clock out, and that's in this compartment of our lives that's disconnected from the word of God. And we say, that area is, what does God's word have to do with welding? <laughs> or my cubicle job, what does God's word have to do with my cubicle job? But if we would come with a humble posture of saying, okay, God, I want to do this part of my life, I want to do life in this area more in alignment with your word, more in alignment with your kingdom. You'll begin to realize his word coming alive because you know what this book is, is filled with? 
real people just like you that worked real jobs. Shepherds, tax collectors, fishers, doctors, lawyers. This word is chock full of them. And we can connect to these real people, see from their mistakes, see from their victories, and we can apply it to even our workplaces. On top of all the clear teaching on just how to um, carry out our lives in our area of work. And lastly, family, which I did divide out from relationships, although it does also include many of our relational issues come in the, in the sphere of family, but family is just such a huge portion, specifically marriage and kids. In terms of emotional energy and um, mental energy, marriage and kids Extended family, it consumes so much of that in our lives. And it's usually in those contexts that we disconnect it from the word of God. We do. I'm prone to it. I'm preaching to myself. We disconnect it. My marriage is unique. or My kids are unique. The word of God can't possibly be relevant to my kids. Or my family's really dysfunctional. So God's word can't be relevant to my dysfunctional family. Just take one perusal through the scripture and you'll come across a lot of dysfunctional families and how God had a better way. And then you'll see a lot of teaching even from the very beginning on God's pattern for healthy family and healthy marriages. It's not an easy path, but as I humbly say, okay, God, I want to be the best husband I can be, he'll lead me. To Ephesians chapter 5, and I'll realize, oh, he wants me to love my wife like Christ loves the church? <laughs> wow, I got a lifetime of learning to do. That's a fun posture. It's, it's uncomfortable. I'm not saying it's fun like it tickles. I'm saying it's fun because <laughs> it's God's best for us. So God is calling me as a husband to love my wife like Christ loves the church. That's not a verse you just stick in the back of your head and memorize and you move on. That's a verse you apply to your life. You allow it to pour over your life every single day. And even the day when my, my kids leave the house, I can, I can place that verse before me and say, okay, God, that's, that's, that's my, your best for my life, that I'd love my wife like Christ loves the church. You don't check it off the list and you move on. You let it stream over your life day in and day out. You submit and you see. You submit and you see day in, day out. You submit and you see. You see your wife your, or your, your husband. You see your kids more accurately as you submit your life to the work of Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. They're going to play the bridge to that song, Oceans. I'm going to call us to respond. If we, if we bring this back to the, the analogy of light versus darkness, you can get the, the grand point in all of this. That if you think of light, it's, it's relevant in every context. You can go to the furthest reaches of the universe and light is relevant. Light supersedes unique circumstances. Light is always relevant. And I'm going to tell you God's word, is, as long as we have feet on the planet and we are breathing a breath in our lungs, God's word is relevant to our lives if we'll submit ourselves to its work in our lives and say, God, I want to understand you more. I want to understand this world more clearly. I'll just illustrate it in Jesus as the great, great model of this. In Luke chapter 
Luke chapter 19, it's the story of Jesus walking in the town of Jericho. The crowds are pushing around him. But there was one guy, a chief tax collector in Jericho named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus. And he was willing to even become undignified for a moment. And just think of it. He's a respected guy and, and also hated by, by some because of his profession because he would steal. He was considered a traitor. But he was undignified enough in the moment because he was desperate to see Jesus that he shimmied up a tree, up a sycamore tree. It's funny to think of a grown man climbing up in a, in a sycamore tree, but that's what Zacchaeus, he was desperate in a moment to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 19, many of the manuscripts say this. Not all, not all versions of the Bible say this, but many of the manuscripts say that Jesus looked up and he saw Zacchaeus. And specifically that word saw in the original Greek, it's the word edo. And, the, and then that word actually means that he perceived Zacchaeus. He looked up and he saw Zacchaeus for who he really was. Everyone else saw Zacchaeus in a certain form. They judged him, they hated him, they thought he was cool, whatever, because he was rich. The different opinions about Zacchaeus, but Jesus saw through it all. Jesus had the full light of um, the revelation of, of who God is, and he saw the world accurately. We can begin to see the world more accurately if we'll submit our lives to God's word. It's like Jesus being able to perceive Zacchaeus in that moment. And he saw him for who he was, and he saw, wow, this guy is, he needs, me. He needs Jesus, he needs me. And it's, it's in that context, Luke chapter 19, that Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's how he saw Zacchaeus. This guy just desperately needs me. We have that opportunity. If you just bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm just going to ask you to respond. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. I just want you to respond to God. I believe God is equipping you with a, a new way of living, a lifestyle where you are opening up his word and you're saying, okay, God, I want to live more in align with your ways. I want, to, I want light for the next step. And you're going to step out in a, in a way where you're going to begin to relate with the word of God in a daily way. Relate with God through his word. And right now, I just believe that what I'm asking of you is that you would make that commitment to the Lord, that you'd pray out to him and you'd say, God, I want that in my life. I want your word to begin to permeate every aspect of my life that I'd see more clearly, that I'd see the path before me more clearly, that I'd see others more clearly. Just pray that right now. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.